Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome. Hello. Hi there. So I've got a great show this week. Steve's going to be joining us and we're going to be doing a little bit of a candid interview. Uh, kind of talking about his background, a lot of people have been asking questions because uh, Steve's been on the show before, but uh, with our lockdown, he's been able to contribute a lot more, and we've gotten some really great interviews. In fact, one of the other things I want to do is bring him on in the next couple of weeks to answer some of your questions. A lot of questions have been sent in, and you know, keep them coming, keep them coming. The way you do that is give us a call, 503-766-6264. Or send them to us on social media at One User Friendly, Twitter and Facebook, or through our web- website, that is, at userfriendlyshow.com. I'll tell you, it's really weird not producing in studio. You'd think we'd be getting used to this by now, but we're still, you know, stay home, stay alive, and all of that. So uh, I think it's going to be a couple more weeks before we can get back into the studio. But uh, today I've got the fan on, and uh, hopefully there won't be too much background noise. How about you guys <laughs> on your end? How's it going? It's getting warmer, but we're doing all right. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, I heard that it's going to be in the nineties down there. Yep, ninety-seven. Uh, oh, that—that's in the nineties. That's like a lot in the nineties. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> down yeah. there, by the way, is northern Nevada. Part of it that I like is uh, is Tahoe. Lake Tahoe is beautiful, but I do not like ninety-seven degrees. Mm-mm. But anyway, that being said, we've got some news this week and a number of different things to talk about. After that, then we're going to be talking a little bit about a series that has been on, a cartoon series called The Last Airbender. And we'll do a little bit of a spoiler alert just to start with it. Do you guys like it or hate it? We like it. Well, of course we like it. Well, that's good. You can hate it, but uh, I didn't either, so I liked it too. So we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But before we get into that uh, standpoint, let's get into the news. The news this week is sponsored by our friends over at wearetechnology.com. We're getting closer to everything opening back up. If you need a new website, phone app, or anything like that, Get it taken care of now. It's a great time. WeAreTechnology.com. What do we have in the news? Space shuttle launch delayed. Yes, this was supposed to go up Wednesday. In fact, we talked about this on uh, Text Wednesday. And um, it seems that SpaceX can do a lot of different things. They've built a new capsule. NASA's involved. Got everything ready to go. But The astronauts have cool new outfits. Yes. And, and also, <laughs> I noticed the pictures from it. It looks a lot more modern now, too. Just It, it oh, looks yeah. kind of like a spaceship should. Uh, whatever that may mean, but, uh, you know, but the one thing it looks like Elon Musk has not been able to do yet is control the weather. Don't give him any ideas. Yeah, we don't want him <laughs> trying to do that. That would be bad. So <laughs> this all plays down to something called orbital trajectories. Yes. And what happens is, is when you launch uh, something into space, there's a certain window so that you can get it into the right spot. And there's a lot of computations that go along with dealing with that that uh, are handled. So that's why you can't just delay it 20 minutes. Uh, you know, when the weather might be better, you have to have everything kind of come together at the same time and everything was ready to go except for the weather. So, um, you know, it's kind of a bummer that that happened, but uh, we've all had those type of things. GE stops making light bulbs after 130 years. You know, talk about changes in technology. This is uh, kind of an interesting story because you think about GE and light bulbs, but light bulbs have changed so much, uh, even just that type of technology, the way we use lighting, lighting is part of our decor now in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And uh, the company got bought out, or this section of GE rather, got bought out by a company called Savant Systems. And they're taking over what was the GE Lighting Group. 
And as you were saying, this has been part of GE for a long time. It's been there since 1911. And uh, they even have origins reaching back into Thomas Edison and that type of thing from long before they started manufacturing the bulbs. But a big part of what's going on now is that we've switched from incandescent to the compact fluorescence, and now mostly to LED. I like the LEDs a lot better than the fluorescence, just personal thing, but it's uh Seems like there's a lot more you can do. And lighting also works dynamically with smart systems and smart speakers, where a lot of times you can change colors, dim it, all of that kind of stuff from a voice command. So this is really very, very different than what Nikola Tesla or Thomas Edison would have seen when these type of technologies were at first being invented. In fact, I don't think they'd recognize some of the things that we have with it now, you know. So as a result of that, it's being passed along. Uh, the new company is one that looks like they're going to be very innovative, and it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. Amazon and talk and talks to buy. I have no idea. See what if that you can is. say it. Let's wait. Zooks. 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 You got so it. That's you a got it. Thing? Yeah, okay. That's a thing. I've never heard of that. What is that? Well, for some reason, technology companies every once in a while have to make up a word. Oh, and uh, okay. that's the that's the <laughs> case here. I think I I would not sh be sure what Webster would tell us about that, but what Zooks is is a startup self-driving technology. And Amazon's buying it, or in talks to buy it. They haven't finalized anything yet, but they probably will. And uh, it's to get a key technology. And for anyone that doesn't know, Amazon has also been working on the space of self-driving cars. In fact, they have a lineup that uh, they're looking at actually producing. We'll see how far that goes. But that has to do with this. One of the other places that they want to use this, too, is in their delivery system. And uh, right now, with the economy the way it is, they've been buying a up a lot of planes cheaply. So it looks like the point-to-point -point delivery for Amazon is going to become more and more by Amazon, and having self-driving vehicles would make sense to be a piece of that. New artificial eye mimics and may outperform human eyes. You know, quality of living is something that's very important. We've gotten to a place where we can treat a lot of things. Hopefully, eventually, we're going to have a, uh, uh, not an antidote, a vaccine for our current situation. But going along with this, we have seen heart transplants and the ability to make uh, engineered organs and that type of thing. We've talked in the past about 3D printers being able to print skin and mm -hmm. help burn victims and that type of thing. So this is another step from that, that they're actually looking at these augmented eyes that uh, can be used for someone that's blind or has had damage to their eyes. And the way that it works, instead of what they've been using up to date is a flat kind of a flat piece that they use to build the uh, false eyeball. Now it's curved and it's grafted to it. So it actually gives the same effects that the human eye would have. And cool. I don't think we're quite getting to Jordy LaForge yet. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the thing of it is, is, is these technologies continue to progress. And this is one of the very positive sides of tech. And one of the reasons that I love being involved in it so much is the uh, fact that we can help people that would have a disability. And now with something like this, they might be able to get most, if not all, of their vision back. So it's really kind of a cool thing. That would be amazing. Yeah. Android flaw affects over 1 billion phones. Okay, explain this. So like with Windows or Mac OS, we have an operating system on our phones, Android uh -huh. or iOS. And along with these type of things, there can be problems. So we've talked a lot about things with Windows 10 back when Windows 8 was a thing. Uh, there was plenty of material on that. And the last couple of updates for Android, they've run into a few different things. And uh, this one is one that can actually mimic the apps that are involved on your phone and create a false user interface. 
so that when you're interacting with your phone, you're actually interacting with the software from the bad guys instead of the app that you're thinking you're using. Well, you know, what could possibly go wrong if that was a banking app or okay. something where you're sharing uh, personal really information? Less than amused. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, and a lot of people are. It, it, it's, it's a bug that exists in uh, Android 10. How do you uh, check for it? Well, uh, this is something that they're still not disclosing completely because they want to get the fix out first. Okay. So um, from, why, from what I understand from it, though, if you're running Android 10 or Android Q, it's called both, which right now is about 15 to 20% of the Android phones, you have this vulnerability. And um, the software is called Strandhog 2.0. Uh, again, I don't know who comes up with these names, but uh, again, the idea here is that uh, before the user taps the icon of a legitimate act, the malware exploiting uh, Strandhog vulnerabilities can intercept and hijack the activity and display a fake interface to the user instead of launching the real application. Mm. So one of the ways to protect yourself from this kind of stuff is most of the time, this isn't a guarantee, but most of the time when you have a bad, uh, bad actor, bad guy involved, whatever you want to call it, things aren't as professionally done or as correctly done as the actual company that would make the professional app. So in emails, you look sometimes for words that are spelled wrong or different things that don't format properly. If it doesn't feel right, maybe give it a second, you know, second look. And then as soon as they get this fixed, you know, hopefully that problem will go away and hopefully it will be done very soon. Um, I do not see a date on that yet, but I, I know with uh, Android problems, they're fix, you know, working on it very quickly and should get the fix out here. But, um, you know, again, it's just something to be careful about. And I know we've said this before, but at the end of the day, you want to just be sure that you watch. And if there's anything weird going on with your accounts, you want to check it out and you want to deal with contacting the bank and just be vigilant. Because right now you can do everything right. You can change your passwords. You can watch everything. You can be careful of malware and emails and that type of stuff and still get hit. But uh, it's just, you know, it's just something that's out there and something that's part of the new normal, unfortunately, and something that we have to deal with. All right. When we come back after the break, we're going to be uh, talking about a number of different things dealing with some of the problems we've had in production. And then at the end of the show, we're going to review The Last Airbender. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. It's always fun to be here. So since I mispronounced your last your name the very first time you were on, I apologize for doing that. It's Steve Mailer, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, just think, of it, just think of it as Norman Mailer. It's just spelled with an E-H instead of an A-H. And there you are. You know, and not only was that embarrassing, but it's really embarrassing considering that we've worked together for, what, eight years now? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. When I... When, when I looked at that, I was going, wow, the fact that he doesn't even know me at all. Yeah. <laughs> so but let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, you know, I have to sure. my ability to pronounce words sometimes. Um, <laughs> but you and I have worked together on a lot of projects. I know when I first yeah. met you was on a project called, um, what was it, Next Best Bartender, I think. Actually, it was when it was prior to Next Best Bartender. Um, you were the techie dude. As referred to, you were always being referred to as the techie dude 
by uh, Stevie K. Oh, I remember that. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't even know how I got roped into that because um, they were looking for someone to help them shoot and edit a pilot right? called the TVK Show. And there were three segments on that first pilot. There was a, a doctor who, I'm not remembering his last name, but um, he was, I think, a cancer researcher. There was uh, a techie dude segment, which was you. And there was also a modeling and fashion segment that featured Yvette Finland. And okay. so that was the first time I had met you. And that was the first time I had met Yvette. Um, and that was, that was back, I think, in September of, I think, 2013, oh somewhere goodness. around 2013, 2014, something like that. And I didn't really have a chance to meet you because I was simply the guy behind the camera right, and micing right. people up and checking the light. And I was doing the technical stuff on the set. So I didn't really interact with either you or Yvette, which is ironic considering how close to friends we all are. Right. So, right. and it's just kind of odd. But so we did the Stevie K show pilot. And then from there, Stevie then wanted to do a series that a reality based a show called The Next Best Bartender, which I think I'm not sure how you were involved in that exactly, but I do know you were involved. Yeah, I was at a few of the shoots. I, d I don't think either of those really got into production either. I know they did some yeah. stuff with it, but I, I at least I have never seen it, you know, since then. But uh, my involvement was that with that was to do some of the technical stuff. They wanted to do a technical tent, but budget was tight, so it never ended up completely coming together. So I was just on set and, you know, a part of that piece of it. And uh, it was kind of fun to watch them video it and all of that type of thing. But, uh, but yeah, I know. And, you know, since then, it, the really good outcome from that kind of stuff is I know you and I were able to meet and we finally went over for a coffee afterwards mm -hmm. and sat yeah. down and just talked a little bit about some of the different things that we were doing in common with, with all right. this type of thing. And I know at that time I'd been doing some radio work on a local station in Reno uh, that was on there for about a year and a half, actually, and uh, NPR and some stuff like that. But it was with you for the first time that we really started working on television. And yeah. uh, and did some stuff, did, shot a pilot for our own user-friendly radio show, which I still hope when the mm -hmm. uh, COVID's over and that kind of thing that we can actually yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't, if you recall, we actually did, I think we actually shot three different pilots mm -hmm. for user-friendly the TV show. We, we did one at a warehouse called Treasures, Trinkets, and Trash. Yes, I remember that. And then, and then we did one at a studio that um, I had off of Glendale Avenue, which um, that's where we were. We did an interview with uh, a guy who was doing energy research in, I think it was geothermal energy. Right. And then, and then there was another one that we did with well, the best one. I think we did was at a, was a, a small studio with a, a brick colored wall yeah. where you interviewed a, a biomedical I think he was a, a biologist yeah. and a, a programmer. So, so though, I mean, so we actually did three different pilots and I think the last one was the best one. I agree. I agree completely. I remember that. Movie. That was Bighorn Studios and I will do a shout out yes. to them. They were yes, great. Yes, yes. And uh, it yeah, was just it a was. neat setup. You know, it's just, it was an old converted garage in a nice part of town mm -hmm. and we had a brick yep. wall. So there was texture and, the, and it was just a good place to work. Yes, it was. It was. So, uh, so that was probably our first large, you know, big foray into doing, you know, television production together. 
And I think, and for the most part, we did really well. And I, then I, I know we did a, um, a lightsaber podcast. Yeah. Uh, yep. Then for you, friendly, and I would love to do another one. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Good. In fact, that one's still out on yeah. uh, on YouTube, and we'll have to put it on our social media because it's a it's one people have really enjoyed, and it's just kind of one of those things that's out there, but it's a lot of fun to just watch it. Yes, and I'm sure new lightsabers have come out, so we need to do an update. We need to do absolutely. We need to do an update. And anytime <laughs> we can talk about lightsabers, I'm there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then I think we also did a um, we did a, a convention together in Northern Nevada called Snafu. Yep. Where you were, you were, you and Bill uh, Snodgrass were kind of on location and, and interviewing cosplayers. Yep. Yep. And Snafu is. I think we interviewed. We did. We interviewed Gretchen and Jeremy. Yep. We interviewed. Um, I think it was another one or two people who had really neat. One of them had a really neat Mandalorian costume. Yes. And. One had a, a really neat elven costume with, with pointed ears to match. And uh, it was interesting. You know, the, the, I, I enjoy those kinds of events. It's, it'll be fun being able to get back into those. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people looking forward to that myself, kind of being on the front of that mm-hmm. list. But yeah, the, the Staff New Convention is actually still held in Reno every year. They do a great job. I heard that they moved um, from one location to another, but I think it's still set for October. So when we get closer, we'll figure that out. But uh, but listen, I really appreciate that you've been on the show with us and you get some great interviews. And, you know, this is a lot of fun to be able to do this while we have to be home. It's a little weird, weird not working in an actual studio, but Agreed. it seems it, it seems to be going OK. But, you know, we all have to keep our social distance and at least we're still able to work. And I, I just feel like yeah. that's that, that's a wonderful thing. It is. I've, I've certainly enjoyed the opportunity. It's, it's, this is a kind of a new foray for me. I've, I've done, I've always done film and television. I've never really done radio. And I've always been told, well, I've I've always been told I should do radio because I have a good voice for it. But, um, and so now I'm getting, I'm being given the opportunity to do that, which I think is awesome. It's a lot of fun. Well, it's been great to have you here and I hope we will continue to. Uh, you know, going forward. Steve, thanks for joining us. We're actually out of time. This is User Friendly Tutorial. Okay. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Steve will be joining us again in the next segment to talk about some of the problems that we've run into in production over the years. Some of these things are downright funny, and some of them are really frustrating. But first, we've got our Q&A. We've got a lot of good questions in this week. And with no further ado, what's our first question? Should I sell my PS4? No! No. No, I don't want you to. No, I don't want to sell my PS4. (laughs) (laughs) This is my question. (laughs) So here's the the reason why this is even a question is because the PS5 is going to be coming out. And uh, there's a lot of different rumors on the release date. Uh, Some are looking at possibly holiday season this year. Some are looking at later than that. I don't know. But the question becomes with this type of thing is the PlayStation 4 is going to be worth a lot less money when the PlayStation 5 comes out because it will start to become obsolete. Uh, and um, my feeling on it is that I think when the PS5 first comes out, there's still going to be a lot of people using PlayStation 4. It's not going to go away overnight or anything like that. So personally, if you're looking at it strictly from a monetary perspective, it probably would make more sense to sell it now as opposed to later. 
uh, when the new system's out, but I don't think they're going to go down to where they're worth nothing. One of the other things that's going to be kind of interesting is since the PS5 is supposed to be backward compatible to PlayStation 4 software, your game library also does not become obsolete like it has in the past. Cool. And that's right. So that's that's a good thing too. So it, you know, this one's a little bit different. Um, but again, if you're strictly looking at just cash, you know, cashing out sooner than later would make sense. But these do work, and they're good computers. And I I just personally don't see a reason to have to rush with that. Why can't I get a Nintendo Switch? Yeah, so the Nintendo Switch is another video game system. The There's two versions of it. The small one's available, uh, but the bigger one that is kind of the one that everybody wants has been sold out for a while at Best Buy and other resources like that. And a lot of this is due to the pandemic. Some of the components are made overseas, and they've been having some trouble assembling them. Plus, the other rumor that's been out there is the factory that makes these has been out of operation for a while. So right now, the only way you can get them is through uh, what I call a scalper. And oh. if you want to go that route, there are a lot more money, and you're not sure quite what you get. So if you really want one, you can probably find one somewhere, but it is not something that's out of production. They are supposed to come back. It's just like everything else, there's a problem with the supply chain right now. What is the UFO Festival? So the McMinnville UFO Festival is something that's been going on for a long time. This is the 21st year. We're going to be there as long as it's safe to go. It's been rescheduled for the end of September, and uh, this is not an event that we've been to yet, but it sounds like a lot of fun. They've got some great speakers. They do a lot of different things, and uh, it's going to be kind of fun to figure out what it is, and we'll all discover that together. Well, I think it sounds like fun. I do, too. I do, too. We're going to obviously have to cosplay something. I'm thinking maybe gray aliens. We'll see. Oh, wow. That's a stretch. Yes. (laughs) Can you stop videos from autoplaying when you open Chrome? Yes, and this is there's actually a way to do this on all of the major browsers. Uh, Chrome was specific to this question, so I'll address that. And the way you do it on the desktop version is with an extension. And it's a lot like blocking ads or that type of thing. You uh, simply add a little add-on to the software, and it will actually stop the uh, videos from autoplaying. Now, one little thing that I found with this is the autoplay stop function also blocks things like Google Hangouts. So you have to whitelist those sites in order for them to still work, or you're going to end up with this frustrating thing where you can't hear the people talking, but they can hear you. That sounds like you've had a personal experience with this. Yes, it happened just this morning when I was trying to answer this question to see what the side effects of the plug-in were. (laughs) Do you like working remotely as a programmer? Yeah, actually, I love it. Um, You know, life has changed so much right now, but one of the things I think a lot of the big companies are seeing is that remote work when it's appropriate in the programming world, it seems to be a lot, is actually very beneficial. Productivity is up. Um, You have the ability to sit down, be with your family, be with your pets, and also get your job done. There's less commute time. There's less pollution generated by it. I think that we are going to see some very permanent changes in that respect in certain industries going forward. But yes, it's something that I have have been thoroughly enjoying. I miss my uh, people that I work with. So being able to bring that back a little bit might be cool, but overall being able to sit down and code and just do my own thing has been absolutely wonderful. What is Dolby Atmos? All right. So in our last few seconds here, this is a big question. Atmos stands for atmosphere. This is a type of a surround sound system that Dolby has created that's object-based instead of channel-based. So it's really kind of cool because the sound that comes out of it sounds like true surround sound, and it really doesn't matter how many speakers you have. I've tested it with three. The system I have is five speakers plus a subwoofer. They have them all the way up to 10 and more. 
But the reality <laughs> is at the end of the day, for a couple hundred dollars, you can get a sound system that is very, very close to what you would hear in a movie theater. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We just met Steve, who has been doing a number of interviews with us uh, last a couple of months here, kind of since we've been locked down. Steve, welcome back to the show. Thank you, guys. Also with us, of course, Jeremy and Gretchen. Welcome back. Hey, hello. Hey there. So, you know, coming off of that interview, I thought it would be fun to talk about kind of some inside stuff and what we've dealt with and dealing with production and some of the behind-the-scenes things we have all been a part of and doing editing and things. And Steve, I want to start with you on this because you've worked in the industry for a while behind the camera. Just a bit. And just a bit. And I know you've, you have you had a company and have had some weird things happen. And tell us a little bit about it. Well, I mean, uh, Vitek Productions is, is actually kind of my main flagship company. And it's actually been, um, I guess I call it a side business because I've been in the corporate world for as long as I've been in production. Um, and so Vitek production started actually in 1993. So it's, it's, uh, um, far before 2008, but I've always worked, um, kind of running the gamut of different types of production. There's, there's only one type of production I've never been involved with, and I probably never will be involved with, and that's pornography. So if, if you're doing, uh, if you need a commercial, a web video, promotional video, uh, TV pilot, which you guys are very familiar with. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we've been toying with this really cool idea of, of doing this technology show for television uh, that, that's very vaguely familiar to um, user-friendly the radio show. Just a little bit, yes. Just a little, <laughs> a little bit of an offshoot. Um, but there's always there's always something that you you always try to do as much planning as you can in the pre-production phase. And like Murphy's Law, something always goes wrong. Of course. Uh, equipment doesn't work. Someone doesn't show up. The weather doesn't cooperate. So, I mean, you, you, could, you could talk to your blue in the face about things that you plan for that just never quite work out. But it's the nature of the beast, and it's why we love it so much. And it's, uh, it's why I don't give up on it, because it's, this is, um, even though it's something I've been doing that is a source of income for me, it's more of a hobby. It's a passion. Right. And it's, you know, it's why I love it. That's why I love doing it so much. And it's why I've been doing it for nearly 35 years. So um, I probably just aged myself. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, age is just a number, right, guys? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's what they keep telling me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting to talk about this stuff because one of the things that I learned uh, back when we were working on the original pilot, and it's mm -hmm. still something that's you know probably going to be up and coming with the world being upside down right now. Who knows what's going to actually happen? But the reality of the situation is, as I had learned the term "fix it and post," and yes. uh, post is a term for anybody that doesn't know that refers to post production. So you know, but I also think that I've learned that a lot of this plays out of the old garbage in, garbage out philosophy. There's some stuff you can fix in post, but not everything. No, <laughs> no. as much as yeah, you like no, we can. we've heard about that stuff. There's, I mean, there's stories that you just absolutely cannot tell people. 
about yeah. things that can't be fixed in post. Yeah, but, I mean, unless your name, your last name is Lucas, and you own this really cool ranch out in Modesto called ILM, there's not a, always a whole lot you can do with certain things. Well, I'm not yeah. sure that he's ever had a problem. He's had to fix in post. His stuff's usually perfect just from the outset, and he would argue with me on that, by the way. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I don't know if if we had to like look at it. I and, and Jeremy and Gretchen, you guys can talk about this too. We've had some things in Salt Lake, <laughs> and I'm gonna. I'm working on a, a production. We're still under embargo, so I can't say what it is yet, but we've run into some interesting things. And what what are some of the stranger things you guys have seen? Um, there was the one uh it was way it was a couple of years ago. They were working on it. We were working with a TV show, getting all their back end stuff done, and uh we were in the middle of editing and the editor's house was under um a sheriff's order to everybody had to get out of the house because there was that. a yes. right. situation that involved guns. Okay. And he had to get everything out of there. And the, the, one of the producers was freaking out because he wasn't editing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I'm under, if I'm under attack with a gunman, I'm probably, I think that's a good reason to probably, um, not be editing or not be doing whatever you're supposed to be doing at that point, because what you're supposed yeah. to be doing is getting out of the house. <laughs> but, but you know, that response sounds very much like a typical producer. Yep. 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 Yeah, well, I understand someone had a gun to your head, but why isn't this done? Yes. <laughs> just uh, one more cut. Yeah, I tell yeah. you, I tell you, I just, some of these things that uh, we've run into, I know one of the things that oh. I, I just hit up with recently was this whole idea of um, when you're on a set, especially on a union production, you don't touch stuff you're not supposed to touch. Correct. And, uh, you know, you kind of learn those lessons. And I know, Steve, you dealt with that a little bit. Yes, I did. Um <laughs> Uh, in fact, it's funny you should mention that fresh out of college, fresh out of film school, I'm on the set of a film in Los Angeles. And it was actually, it wasn't even an entertainment film. It was, a, it was an industrial video right. for a book publishing company. And uh, I'm there just as kind of, um, it was, I was more of a producer's assistant than I was a technical position. I wasn't shooting camera. I wasn't running sound. And this, uh, these cables are everywhere. And a cable knocked into a, a very expensive lamp um, that was about to get knocked over. So just out of, you know, just reaction, I caught the thing before it smashed to the floor. And some guy comes over to me and he, and he first he thanks me for saving the equipment. And then he, I wouldn't say berates me, but he, but he goes, you know, dude, you, you really shouldn't be touching our equipment because you're not part of our union. Yeah, and this this it was it was like a a two K or a mini mole. It was something that would have cost thousands of dollars to fix. And he goes, uh, you know, and I, and my response was, did you? I, I'm, what I wanted to tell him was, well, did you want me just to let it smash on the floor and <clears throat> delay you and break your equipment? But he he really came over and said, you know, you really shouldn't be touching our equipment. I appreciate what you did. But that wasn't your job. Boom. End of story. Right. It's like, okay. And I tied my hands behind my back after that. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what you learn to do. I mean, I've, yeah. I've been same thing. And Gretchen, you had something. Yeah. Um, I was on, um, like, we were doing a project. And um, actually, we were working on character reels. And we had people who were sitting and talking. Yeah. Just chatting and, and not being polite while uh, people were on stage performing, trying to get these character reel pieces done and that just kind of miffed me and i was confused as to what the etiquette was you know do i turn into a monster and yell at these people or do i just sit back and keep my mouth shut because i'm the new guy on the block yeah 
And it, it depends on the set you're on. I, I, on some of the stuff that I've been working on, you have like five people around that would deal with something like that. But the incident that you're actually talking about, and I was there, we didn't have that. So it was just a matter of professional supposed to be professional. And in this case, it was more of a game. And, it, you know, that does make it hard because you're trying to work and you're trying to deal with it. And that's not something you can fix in, in, in post very easily because if you've got all kinds of background noise or other things that are going on, this is one of the things where we've been dealing with since we've been out of studio with the COVID crisis is that there is background noise when you're recording at home and you can't do anything about it. But if you're on a soundstage, you should uh, at least not have that happen. You know, at least one would think, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, guys, that's our time today. I know that went by quickly, but, uh, you know, it's always always fun to talk about production and it always does. And, you know, if anybody has any questions, send them in. We're at 503-766-6264, one user friendly on Facebook or Twitter. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Great show this week. You know, I I love a lot of the material that Steve's been able to send over to us. We're getting an insight on a lot of different things that we wouldn't have otherwise. And one of the things I do miss doing is our movie reviews. But, uh, you know, we can look at some of the things that have already been out there. And I know you both have been watching The Last Airbender. Now, we're talking about the cartoon, not the movie, right? Right. Oh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about it. Okay, well, first of all, The Last Airbender cartoon's been out for a long time. So if we talk about things, we're not going to be spoiling anything. Unless you've never seen it or heard about it. And and in that case, then you need to hurry up, get yourself onto Netflix. And and watch watch all three seasons. Yeah, because it's a beautifully done cartoon series. And, I mean, we're talking about animated characters who have really good facial expressions, really good emotional connections, and there's character growth over the three seasons. Yeah, the complex storylines. Now, what is The Last Airbender? Okay, this is a a world that's kind of like ours, but slightly different. Um, It's semi-medieval, there's no guns, um, but you've got four uh, sections of society. You've got the Air Nomads, the Earth Kingdom, which uh, you've got the Fire Nation, and the the, water the poles, the water tribes. Yeah. Um, so each nation, for some reason, can only can some people can uh, manipulate certain elements. The Earth Kingdom generally manipulates Earth, the rocks and and soil and sand. Right. The Fire Nation manipulates fire, and that includes lightning. Okay. Uh, you've got the Air Nomads who can manipulate air, and of course the water tribes manipulate water and ice. Right. Okay. So that all makes sense so far. Right. Um, it's a it's a complex story where you've got one nation trying to take over the other three. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's pretty intense at some points. It's it's the fight for balance. When things get out of balance, there's this person called uh, the, the avatar. avatar who's supposed to help keep balance, and he knows how to do all of them, yeah, all he, the different types of airbending. He's the airbending. one the one person who can ma- manipulate all four elements. Yeah. Okay, so that's the airbenders, is, is can do all of them. Okay, so that yeah. makes sense. Now, I know I saw the movie, and there is a movie, and if I remember correctly, it was a live-action movie, too, and yes. I, I yeah. liked it. It was well done. I thought uh, it was okay. Yeah. You so, know. But it sounds like I'm going to have to go back and watch the cartoon, because believe the it or cartoon, not, I have not seen the, the cartoon. The cartoon is done really well. 
Wow. Okay. The acting is good. The artwork is nice. Um, and, and the, the character development is really rich and complex. And if you've heard uh, or watched any of the Clone Wars or Rebels, you're going to recognize a lot of voices. Okay, so the voice artists are, are the same. So that actually yep. impresses me too, because I love Mandalorian. Um, I, I think they've done a, 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 just an amazing job. And on some of these the Rebels, the, the, the backgrounds are so integrated. So I think seeing the cartoon now, I'm going to have to go check it out. So that's The Last Airbender. All three seasons are on Netflix. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at theanswerportland.com or userfriendlyshow.com.